Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. I am Scott Prather, and as promised, joining me now, you will be inducted into the Louisiana Ragin' Cajun Hall of Fame this weekend. Former Ragin' Cajun pitcher, Phil Devey is on the line with us. Good morning, Phil, man. How's life? Good morning. Life is great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, what What is, you may not have one, what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? What You Want. Isn't that what you were just playing? Yeah, yeah. Look at that. I didn't even oh. know. I just felt like it oh. fit your personality. So The Beastie Boys, I was there in 1994, Lollapalooza in Montreal. Oh. Which I probably shouldn't say this. There's actually a clip on YouTube of me in an interview as a young Canadian at the Beastie Boys concert in 94. You're going to have to send me that, Phil. I need to see it. I need to see I'll it. I'll send it to you. Uh, <laughs> it's going to make it even more shocking that there's any consideration for me to be in any kind of Hall of Fame. Uh, no, no. You know what? Now now you're in my personal Hall of Fame. I mean, bringing the Beastie Boys heat out the gate. I love it. Um you mentioned Montreal, man. Look, uh, some of our listeners know your your story and how you got to UL and how you got down here. Just a quick Cliff Notes version, Phil. What what? Tell our listeners how you went from Canada. You love baseball. You also loved hockey. Down to Cajun country, and eventually, you know what what unfolded during your time at UL. Well, I guess the quick version is, is my mom being invited to a French teachers conference in, in Lafayette. Uh, she knew that I wanted to play college baseball somewhere in the United States and uh, made it a point to track down whoever the baseball coach was for the Raging Cajuns and marched into his office, uh, stared Tony Robichaud in the face and said, uh, I've got a son who's a uh, left-handed pitcher and wants to play college baseball. My mom's uh, about five foot one with a heavy French accent, so uh, I can't say going in there was probably much credibility. But I think uh, Robe was scared of her, gave her his business card, and I just called him every day for about two weeks until he got tired of hearing from me on the phone and invited me to come down for a tryout. Yeah, it started with a tryout. Now you also brought some like uh, hockey sticks in the trunk. I think I heard is that is that a legit story? No, that that. It is a true story because it is a long trip, and uh, I had no idea what I was what I was getting myself into, honestly. So, um, you know, we talked about the ice skaters at the time. I, I wasn't going to be good enough to make it, but I mean, I figured while I was coming all the way down here, I was bringing my hockey equipment just in case. And this was back in the '90s, and like the ice skaters' heyday. So, folks from so this here, '96. Yeah, yeah this, this is in the fall '96. The peak. Um, so, what what? Was there anything at at any point when you were at then USL uh, where you feel like the light bulb came on for you? Like, man, I I've unlocked something here as far as pitching goes. Like, I've I feel like I now see how far I can take this. Does that question make sense? Um, yeah, and I think it was it was kind of small steps throughout my career. There was you know there was never a vision of coming in and and um, you know, having the success that I did uh, at that time of my life would have been completely unrealistic to me. But it was, it was just simply the vision of making the team, um, and and then really it started with that. Um, you know, going in, I, you know, the, the story is which is a legitimate story. I, 
first week I was there, I walked into Coach Robes' office and asked me asked him to name me his top five pitchers on the team, and and he did, and he asked me why, and I, I walked out the door saying I, I need to figure out whose job I'm going to take, and uh, so when I did make the team and and you know started throwing some innings and having success, and then of course you know early on it was that that you know just a well-known game against LSU bringing me in with the bases loaded and. Um, you know, and us winning and, and that kind of just started building the confidence and, um, and then going into the following year, it was all the prep, my freshman year, the help from, you know, my mentor at the time, I was a, a, a senior named Trey Poland who, um, showed me the ropes on what it took to be the ace pitcher of a staff and like the preparation of going into my sophomore year to, to be able to do so. And, and then just kind of took the ball and ran with it. Bill Devi, our guest, former Raging Cajun pitcher, uh, heading into the <clears throat> excuse me, Louisiana Raging Cajun Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, you said, uh, you know, after going in in that situation against LSU bases loaded, performing at a high level, getting out of there, that the confidence started to grow. But clearly there was already a confidence there. I mean, you walk into Rope's office and say, who are the top five pitchers? And you're saying, I got to figure out whose job I'm going to take. Did that did that come from your mom? Has that always have you always just had a confidence in you for whatever reason? Uh, it's kind of funny because seems like there was no reason for me to, but I I, I was just dumb enough to have that in me. I guess I I don't know. I, I've always operated with the mantra that I really have nothing to lose. Uh-huh. Um, I think I've got a uh, um, I don't want to call it a fear of failure or. A, more of a fear of missing out, uh, a, a fear of of being old and and looking back with regret at things that I that I didn't try to do, and so I think that's what really carried me, um, and and where that came from and why that exists I don't know I just don't I know it's something that is in me that's still in me and um, and it's just it you know it's it it served me well. Bill Devi, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette. The um, you know you, the, the stories you've shared about Robe over the years, obviously his impact on you and others. But uh, as a player, as a person, has there ever been a Robe story you haven't really told much publicly? Um, man, I, I mean, I've sold, I've, I've told so many of them. I've, I've told the same ones over and over again that they're, they're on rinse and repeat. Uh, if you're asking me of a story that I have not told, um, boy, I'd have to give that some thought. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm thinking back of some, you know, there's been some, some impactful ones. There's been some funny ones. Uh, um, I remember my freshman year, I don't know how, how just a, no way a freshman should do what I did, but we, we got introduced actually at an ice skaters game my freshman year and, and as we went on the ice, I, I snuck in my, my hockey skates. Yeah. And I was the last one to get on the ice, and I skated two laps as fast as I could, trying to get the crowd pumped up. <laughs> and I skated right up the coach robe, and within like four feet from him, full speed, I just hit the brakes and sprayed him from head to toe. <laughs> and how I did not get thrown off the team in that moment. And uh, he was just so much in shock. And I could I could just remember his eyes just lighting up like he was he was scared to death, and uh, yeah that was that was stupid. 
I love it. I love it, he, Phil. He, he kept great. it in stride, obviously, so he <laughs> took it like a champ. Yeah, yeah. Well, you went on and uh, performed pretty well for his team, I would say. You, you told me a story. Now, this was years ago, and I don't know how many times you've told it. But we were talking about Robe. Shoot, man. I mean, this is probably 11 or 12 years ago. Probably the first time I interviewed you. Maybe the first time I met you. But you were talking about how at one point you used to try to privately record some of his, like, whenever he was talking to the team, like in private, maybe in the clubhouse, because you wanted to send it to your parents. Because for, for good reasons, like you were inspired, right? But you said that, you know, he probably didn't want that, so you were trying to do it in secret. Does that, I, I don't remember all the details. Does that ring a bell? No, that's a legitimate story. I was actually, uh, I was, I'm, I'm staring at my, my draft for this Hall of Fame speech, and I, I was trying to incorporate that in there, but uh, this thing's starting to get lengthy, so i got to chop some stuff off. But, but that, that, the, the, the point of that was, um, or, or the, the point of the story is essentially, uh, at the time, I just saw some. I was exposed to something that very few other people uh, were, and, and, and it's just the way he spoke and the things he said, and I, I would try to remember and repeat uh, his, his speeches, his robisms. I could never get it just right. I'd forget some words. And, um, and, you know, when I'd talk to my parents on the phone, I'd, I'd try to tell them, Hey, man, coach rope said this, he did this, he, he told us this. And, um, so I went and bought a little tape recorder and I snuck it into the locker room and, uh, and I, I was wanting to record everything he said in the locker room with the players. And, uh, one day I accidentally hit play instead of stop. And the sound came on real loud all of a sudden, and I, I, I kind of shuffled and turned it off and kind of looked around, and he, I didn't think he noticed. And uh, as we're all filing out the room, and I'm trying to sneak out as quick as I could, uh, he, he kind of, you know, he grabbed me. He said, hey, give me the tape. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm busted. And, he, you know, he said, I appreciate you, you know, uh, listening to me, but uh, I can't have your parents hear me say any any." Uh, you know, using any vulgarities or anything, you know, which was a typical coach road move. So uh, to me, it was, it was wanting other people to experience what I was experiencing in some capacity. And, um, you know, today's generation with, with, you know, YouTube and of course, uh, Justin coming out with, with, you know, the the book and um, now people are seeing what I saw back in 97 and it's like his, you know, his message, his legend, his uh, who he was um, is getting experienced by more and more people. And it's it's just such a blessing. I mean, if there's anything this world needs is is a collection of people to be able to sit and listen to a man like Tony Robichaux uh, speak. And, and, you know, when he spoke, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't empty. You, you, you know, those that knew him knew that he lived every word that he said. And that that gives you the credibility. We all knew it as players. That's why we'd do anything. Uh, you know, we, we, we'd run through a brick wall for him because he walked the walk and talked the talk. And and that's what made him great. And, and I mean, that's what made him a legend. ESPN 1420, ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Prather. We're visiting with Phil TV. Um, you've spoken a lot about your relationship with Robe, and I know you've already been asked this, but I'll ask again. Just what does it mean to you to be able to go into the Hall of Fame in the same class as as he is? 
I, I don't know if it's really registered properly to me. It, it, it's, um, you know, a huge blessing to be named to be in the Hall of Fame. It, it's just, it's amazing when you look back at where it all started. But, um, I mean, it almost dropped me to my knees when, when Dr. Maggard told me that Tony Robes show is being inducted as well. Um, you know, it started with, I don't want to say guilt, but it, it just, um, I, I don't belong in a, in the same hall of fame as Tony Robichaux. And it felt like he should have his own moment and be the only one being inducted. And it, really it was like guilt for the first few days that it just didn't feel right. And, um, well, boy, a thought hit me that this is such a typical Tony Robichaux move to deflect any spotlight off himself towards his players. And, and it, you know, it just happens to be me. Um, but this is something I, I'm convinced that, you know, he, he, he was involved in from above, um, that it's, it's what he would have wanted. And, you know, it was just, it, 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 it could have been a collection of other players, um, that belong in the hall of fame. Um, but you know, it, it, it happens to be me, but, it's just unbelievably special. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's just amazing to think that, you know, this is the circumstances, uh, you know, although very un unfortunate, obviously, but um, that from where I came from and, you know, this happening on Friday is just a, an amazing set of circumstances um, that it, it, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm living a movie. Um, I, sometimes I just can't believe this is my life. Well, uh, congratulations, Phil. You deserve it. Um, and I think it's really cool. Phil DV, Tony Robichaux, Paul Bacco, Ashley Brignac, uh, just an esteemed class officially going to be inducted into the Raging Cajun uh, Hall of Fame on Friday. It, I love your stories between, you know, you and Tony. It's like, it, it's, it, to me, it goes between like, all right, this is a great sort of coach-athlete duo, you know, Glenn Satter and Wayne Gretzky. And I know that, that you know, for Tony, he had a lot of great relationships with a lot of his players. But it goes between that and sort of like Mr. Wilson and Dennis the Menace, you know, with some of these, Phil. And I just... <laughs> That's probably I, more appropriate than the Gretzky one. I, I, I can't get enough of it, man. I um, it, it's, it's just great stuff. And uh, I know that you were a, a huge part of that uh, player-led um, you know, uh, to, to get the statue built and, um, you know, shortly after his passing, it went up so fast. And like you said, he's, he's not, you know, he's one that likes to deflect it, but so many lessons can be learned from him. And, and I've, I haven't been doing this for like, you know, as long as Jay Walker, I'm not, I'm not in my nineties. Um, but I've, I've done it for a little while and covered different coaches and different sports. And, you know, Robe was just, um, everything about him was just so real. And uh, I remember getting to host a coach's show once, and I was about to have my first kid, and he was there with Colleen, and, you know, just, I, I, it wasn't like I was going around asking every dad everywhere, hey, do you have any advice? But you know, we finished the show, I asked him, and I found myself, you know, he, he just was, for another hour, just sharing guidance and all of this stuff, and um, I don't know, I can be cynical at times, not, not, not in this moment. I mean, I was soaking up all of it, and you know how busy that guy was, and he always made time for his players, but I'm not trying to make any of this about me, and I hope that's not how it's coming across. I just want to highlight that he made time for everyone, um, that that when it, when it came to 
really important life stuff. And and I, you know, I've thought about so many times some of the things he shared with me, some of the things he told me, and it's just special, man. And and I'm I'm glad you get to go up there Friday and share some stories, whether it be you know, great communication and growth or whether it be, you know, a Mr. Wilson, Dennis the Menace type story. But it's good stuff and, um, you know, you deserve it. And it's it's just really cool to see, Phil. It really is. No, it's it. I've got a lot of people to thank. That's the that's the blessing in all of this is just having an opportunity to public, publicly thank, um, you know, my parents, my family, uh, my wife, my kids, you know, all of my friends all of my teammates, the coaching staff, um, the, the, you know, they say it all the time, but it's so true. I mean, this is not a one-man show. Uh, this does not happen without a collection of people that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to thanking publicly uh, because they, they all deserve it. They, they all gifted me with this, these blessings that have allowed me to live a life that a small kid from La Chute, Quebec, Canada would have never imagined possible. And um, it's just, I'm just so lucky to have all these people in my life and, um, and still have these blessings to the, to this day. Phil DVR guest. All right, Phil, before I let you run, man, I wanted to get your quick thoughts on a few more things. Um, being a, a former baseballer, like you are, you watch any of last night's game, and and how do you feel about this uh, this Astros Braves matchup? Ooh, I I did watch the game. I'm I'm uh, of course like many people with kids, we get we get tired at the end of the day. Yep, <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> it's hard to make it through nine innings, but uh, man, unbelievable, Charlie Morton. Um, I mean that that's that's the, the guy must have been must have been a raging Cajun in another life because that that's how a Cajun pitches um, through, through pain to the end. And um, you know, that sometimes those, those small things can just, I mean, you say a team needs motivation. They're in the world series, but uh, little moments like that, that, you know, the, the pressure on the next pitcher for the Braves uh, to, to come in and, and, and be tough through, through tough situations. And um, you know, he might be out for the, you know, for the, the, the rest of the series. But, uh, you know, you can find these um, these small things is what carries a team through big moments. And we'll see if this is one of them. I mean, I expect the Astros to come back. And, um, I mean, that's what they've demonstrated throughout the year, you know, the ups and downs. and um, But it's, it's going to be a good series for sure. you got two teams that are pretty evenly matched across the board in all different departments. So, that that leads to generally great series. You never know what you're going to get, um, but it, it, I still expect it to go seven games. Bill DV, our guest, uh, and then you know you spent a few years in the minors. Going back to your career briefly, this this announcement that came out I don't know four or five days ago that uh, owners are discussing the issue of player housing and that they unanimously agreed to begin providing housing to certain minor leaguers. Where is, why is minor leagues as tough as it is? And is that announcement, how big of a deal is it for somebody, you know, your perspective or somebody that, that lived the minor league life for a number of years? Well, I mean, it's, it's huge. And a lot of things have happened. That's just been tremendous. There's been a big push from former minor leaguers for many years to fight for 
kind of the next generation. Um, there's kind of two schools of thoughts on it. One is um, you make it very difficult for minor leaguers because they've got to push through all that to get to the big leagues. And ultimately the big leagues is, is the reward. And, um, you know, you, you don't have to play. You can quit at any time. So, you know, uh, stop complaining and grind through it. And there's another school of thought that at a certain point you, you need to have a living wage. Um, I don't think the, the, the baseline salaries for minor leaguers has changed at all from the time I started in 99 until now. And my base salary didn't, was about the same as it was in the, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, if you're not a top round draft pick that gets a good signing bonus to live off of, I don't know how some guys made it, especially some guys that might have had, you know, been married or had a, had a child or two. Um, you're literally making a thousand dollars a month. Uh, you've got to pay for your own living expenses, and you got to pay for food when you're at home, uh, and that's only for five months out of the year. So, um, you know, it, it's not like you're expecting pity or. Uh, people to feel bad for you. You, you, you know, you're playing professional baseball, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent that could have played in the big leagues. Certainly, um, that just had life situations that they just couldn't go any further because of essentially their salary and, and, uh, just couldn't survive. It, you said two schools of thoughts, right? One is, well, you know, the reward is the big leagues grind through it. And the other is, I mean, you got to at least have a, a, a livable wage. So I, do you fall like kind of somewhere in the middle, I guess? Like there's got to be more of a balance, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I definitely fall somewhere in the middle. Um, it, it's, you know, you, you're, um, you're, you're, you're now a professional. So there, there's a, a level of expectation that comes with that. But you, you have to, from the ownership side, you, you've got to be able to support the players to be able to train uh, properly and focus on their, their craft exclusively. And, it's, you know, it's very difficult when you can, you can barely make ends meet or make ends meet at all. I mean, but then again, you look back, you know, stories of, of you know, peanut butter and jelly and, uh, and, and just, you know, kind of living six people to mm-hmm. one apartment and people crashing on air mattresses and sleeping bags and whatever else. I mean, it makes for great stories, but, um, you know, over the years, this is just kind of something that that's long overdue. Um, yeah, it, it falls in the same mantra as, as the arguments made about college sports and, and, you know, the direction that that's going, um, so I, I kind of fall in the middle. I'm, I'm, I see both ends of it. I think, uh, you know, some changes were long overdue, and I'm happy to see that, that you know, that they are happening. Um, and it's a lot of guys that even I played with that are kind of leading the charge that are fighting through um, making these changes for the minor league guys. So it's good to see. Phil Devey has been our guest. Uh, he is going to be inducted into the Louisiana Raging Cajun Hall of Fame this Friday, along with, of course, the late, great Tony Show, Paul Baco and Ashley Brignac as well. Uh, just uh, an incredible class, illustrious class. And 
For anybody that's been listening that maybe missed the early portions of this interview, uh, we'll have it up online later. If you're listening after the fact now, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Phil, it's always fun talking to you, man. Uh, I've only gotten to, to talk to you a couple times, but the stories are uh, they're rich and uh, and and they're you know they're oftentimes they're either funny or sentimental, and uh, I'm I'm a sucker for either one of those. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Congratulations. Before we let you run, is there anything else you maybe want to tell the listeners or, or UL fans or maybe former teammates or Coach Robe who, uh, you know, is is going to be posthumously inducted, but we all know he's probably listening to you right now? Well, now you're just trying to make me cry on air. So it's hard enough just trying to get through whatever speech I'll be saying. Um, but oh, I guess one open invitation, anyone listening to attend on Friday night, uh, it's open to the public. Um, I've got a lot of people to thank. Some of the, some of your listeners are some of those people. Um, so anyone that, that, uh, that wants to attend Friday night, it'll be between, uh, it'll start at six 30 at the baseball field. And, um, you know, to all former teammates and really I've, I've spoken to a lot of people. I've sent messages to a lot of people, but, uh, the, the fans, the people that attended the games, the people that, you know, the, really that, that stood up with two strikes and yelled and screamed and applauded for me to, to, to get the third strike. Uh, I can't thank those people enough. They are the reason why um, really I was able to do what I, what I did. They, they fueled my fire. I, I wanted to be successful for them. I represented them when I was on the mound. And uh, it's such a, uh, a collection of characters that were, uh, that were in the stands, you know, that the Cajun cooking club, everybody that put up the K signs, the, uh, the guy that, you know, was always yelling if the umpire was blind uh, Miss Lydia, the, the, the frat boys throwing out boots on the field, uh, the seventh inning stretch. I mean, the, the, just the collection of people that made it the experience that it was, um, made it so enjoyable for me. And, and the, the memories that I have of pitching at Cajun field and in front of those fans, uh, I'm going to my grave with a smile on my face, remembering those, those times. And, um, and, and I, I, I can't be more, 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 uh, offer my sincere thank you and gratitude for taking the time to go into the ballpark and cheering us on. Um, you know, those are people that created the atmosphere that we have now. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's very special. And, and those people need to be thanked. Um, and I want to thank them all, you know, publicly thanking them on air right now. Um, and, and those people know who they are, and it's everyone that has, you know, showed up to a baseball game and and applauded the, the players and supported them. Um, you know, just, just from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Phil, man, and uh, thank you for coming on this morning. Looking forward to Friday night and uh, listening to you and Paul and Ashley. And uh, all the best, man. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, at some point in the future, I'd love to have you on again just to just to hear more stories from uh, the life of Phil Devey, whether it be popping up on a on a YouTube video from a Beastie Boys concert in '94, or of course the the many great stories between uh, you and Rope. Man, I'm all for it. Well, sounds great. All right, man. When we go to break, crank up the Beastie Boys. Hey, you got it right now. I'm, I'm, I got Sure Shot going in the background, brother. All the best. Stop.
Let's go. Let's play some sabotage. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Phil.